0: Welcome back to A3's The Academy Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Beckwith. We're here with Art Charles Jr. Anthony A.J. Orange. Justin Kelly. What's up? And special guest today we in the house, we've got James Garces, the head assistant coach at Cal State University Bakersfield Men's Soccer Program. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks for coming. So we want to continue the conversation that we were going through last week, James, of really touching on everything that's going on right now. And there's a lot of people that, you know, still have the dream of continuing their education, continuing their athletic career. And we thought it would be a really cool thing to actually bring on the college coach and not just hear from us who have been the athletes on the side of trying to get in. And obviously, I was a strength and conditioning coach, not one that was going out recruiting and all those kind of things. So there's just a different perspective. And I don't think in large part, and I, I was never told this. I just know it because I have friends like you that do it. But I don't think people understand the pressures, the responsibilities, the things that come with coaching at that level. And, you know, regardless if it's Division one, two, three, and AI, that doesn't really, junior college, it really doesn't matter the level so much as you still have the responsibility of bringing someone in. You have the responsibility of fully vetting them and figuring out everything that's important to Mm -hmm. you, your program, what you're trying to accomplish, making sure they fit in. I mean, all these things that I'll let you kind of go into, but I think it's important for people to understand that side of it because rarely do you get the coach's input on what's important. It's everybody's conjecture of what they think the coach wants. So I say, well, let's just cut all that out and say, well, here's your coach right here and he's going to tell you what we go through.
1: Yeah, no, sweet. That's an excellent uh, start to this conversation for me. Um, you started off with, is, is the dream still alive for these kids in this current climate that we're in? And I would say 100%. Um, but that's not without a lot of work having to been done on their individual part. Um, for me and the conversations that I've had with kids that I'm actively recruiting right now that I'm hoping to bring in for 21, 22 um, and those classes is that listen, any time, time is going to pass regardless. So any time that you take away from not working on your craft or your ability or your strength or your work or your learning process, it's wasted, right? And there's someone else that is trying to get ahead of you right now. And that's the type of mindset that I try to instill in anyone that I am trying to recruit and actively looking at. And I think that's a big part of learning what the type of character is that the individual has, right? Are they someone that's going to take... This situation that we're all in right there's thousands of other kids that are in your same position that are rising seniors or now actively seniors that school is just starting um who are in a position that they could take one stand and be like well poor me you know we all saw you know just look at cif right and they're not they're they're pushing their season back to january you know so are they looking like do i have a poor me attitude of now you know my chances of going to the next level are diminished or is it like all right I'm gonna use these next four months to make sure that when season does start and I'm having communication with all the coaches right now that I want to go to their school am I putting myself in a position to where when it is game time I'm fully prepared yeah. and you know I've already introduced myself I've, I've given all the the information that that coach may want or need um, so that when it is time for me to perform in front of them or their staff that I'm ready to go um, you know, moving moving on from that, and you know what we're looking for. You know, I can only speak personally; I can't speak for any other program. Um, you know, but when we go, you know, watch these kids at a showcase or, or a high school game or, you know, training. I love going to training sessions.
0: And see, I think that's a that's the thing that kids don't understand that, and we've actually talked about this in the podcast before. That, you know, a lot so much of it gets put on game film, game film, game film, game film, and you just heard it from James. He likes to go to trainings. Why do you like to go to trainings? Well, ultimately, I want to see how you work, not just how you perform. And I want to see your habits. I want to see all these things we talk about all the time. But if you could elaborate, because that is such a cool point that most people don't understand, that they, they only focus on the game. And I got to get my film to the coach. And I've got, we'll get into this with the whole video, highlight video and all that. I want to ask you about that. But go on with that, because I think that's a really important part.
1: Yeah, I think just training is so raw, right? You get to see the individual for who they really are. Um, If I'm going to watch a training session and training starts at 6, I'm probably there by 5.15, right? Like who's the kid that's coming early and staying late? Um, We talk about that all the time in our program with our own players. It's like it's not a secret formula to success. Like any great player works on their craft before everyone else, and they're usually the last one to leave the gym, the field, the track, whatever the case is. So, um, you know, that's something that, that we look for. Um, and then when you're at training, right, how are you with your teammates? How are you in this exercise where it could just be something very small, right? Like a very basic passing exercise, but are you being very critical in your own performance that you're trying to perfect your pass? Um, you know, the way you move off the ball, are you engaged? Are you listening to your coaches when they're giving direction? Are you kind of just blowing it off thinking I'll just perform in a match on Saturday? Um, so I think getting to, to see training if possible is something that I always try to do now. Is it always possible? No. Um, sometimes you only get a chance to see them in in a game for travel purposes or whatever the case is, but I like to go to training sessions because I think you get a, broader picture of who the individual really is
0: right even in warm-ups
1: i mean watching somebody warm That's up can tell you a lot oh, about yeah. somebody
0: are they warming up on purpose yeah you know is is there a reason for what they're doing or are they just going through the motions of what their coach told them to do and that right there is one of the biggest mistakes i see not just in a performance standpoint but in in an injury standpoint right. that typically the people that that don't warm up that don't drill on purpose with a purpose are the ones that are constantly injured Mm -hmm. and as a college coach i'm sure that's got to be up there on your list of things because if someone's going to be the perpetually injured person
1: you're not going to invest in them no i mean listen injuries are 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 accidents they're part of the game but you know when we're looking at college soccer in in my spectrum is like if you miss three weekends in a, you know, three weeks in a row, you've missed half the season, Mm -hmm. right? And you've missed six games. So, um, you know, you're definitely looking for someone who's taking care of their body, um, who's doing the right, has the right proper habits of, of training, of sleep, of diet, of working out and, and understanding that everything goes into, um, you know, their short career in college.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, these guys on the panel can attest to that, that, I mean, all of us here, let's not forget that James also played at Cal State Bakersfield, played at a very high level. Um, so everyone in this conversation has played at that level. Um, and James was fortunate enough, I'll toot his own horn for him because he won't do it for himself. But, you know, upon finishing and graduating, went straight into a master's degree, which is huge, and coaching right away. I mean, that at a Division One level, I mean, that's just that's a rare thing. I mean, you know, you talk about, you know, the percentages of people getting in to be on scholarship to play at the collegiate level is a very low percentage. And I think of all of college, I think it's 7% of high school athletes get to the collegiate level, regardless of, you know, NAIA 321, whatever. But at the same time, you know, James was able to not only play at that level, but become an immediate coach. And in a short period of time, we're talking a few years, now he's already the head assistant. I mean, this is just, it. it's, he probably doesn't think of it this way, but it really, I mean, it's, it's kind of groundbreaking that you can do that that quick. And it just, it shows to the things you're talking about, the showing up early, which you constantly do, even to training still to this day. You know, warming up on purpose, all the things that you're looking for in an athlete, you still practice daily. And, you know, that's one of the things that we talk about a lot that, you know, from a coaching perspective, the most effective coaches, in my opinion, and in my experience, are the ones that will never make you do something they haven't Mm -hmm. done. You know, and that's that's a big one for me. That's what A three is founded
1: on. Jordan spoke about that on the last dance. Did anybody see that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, I will drive my teammates to their breaking point, but I will never ask them to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. Oh, yeah. Bam.
2: Yeah, you talked about the way he played the game.
1: Yeah. And
0: that's
2: just how he was. Yeah,
1: like leadership like too, right?
0: Too. Yeah. Absolutely. I
3: had a question then because me and Art play in the spring. We have our season is gonna be normal. It's in the spring season. I know with CIF we have a lot of delays, and you're going to play now a little later than normal because you play in the winter.
1: Yeah, so well, high school. Um, yeah, that's in high school, but for for college Division One men's soccer is um, is August through December, depending on how far you make it. So
3: how's the how's the fall looking like for those guys right now?
1: Uh, as of last week, unfortunately, season has been postponed indefinitely. So we know we will not have a fall season. The NCAA has still left it on the table to potentially have something in the spring. Um, but it's just all depending on on how fast we we can um climatize and, and get things back.
3: It it just always gets me to to think how all right, well this timing of this was always very shot, you know, the end of the basketball season, end of the winter sports got affected, the whole spring sport got affected. Now the fall's getting affected. So everyone's missing a season. So every athlete, every kid has that heartbreak. Every yep. kid has that ability to be like, man, the world's against me, like my season's been canceled. The baseball draft, a lot of guys were affected because there was only what, five rounds? Five rounds. Normal. This year. Normally yeah. there's forty. We're talking to me, where I was a thirty-third rounder, where I, that would I'm done. And a lot of the kids are facing realities now that none of us have ever really faced. Right. Yeah. But it's not something that they can't get through. And it's it's like you say, we gotta be able to to build those good routines and take advantage of this time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's an opportunity, you know, just like anything else. It's a, it's a learning opportunity and not to beat a dead horse here, because we talk about this a lot, but it is so important and vital to success that you've got to create habit. And this really is an opportunity to create change in any habitual thing that you're doing and, you know, getting into college, going to the next level, even if you're only a freshman right now, sophomore right now, I mean, you've got an opportunity right now to, really open up the field for yourself and introduce yourself to schools and colleges and all that. And that's the next question I wanted to go to James, that we, you know, there's all these recruiting services out there that quite frankly can drive me nuts because we talk about it all the time and people put money into it and all that. And I try to tell people, you know, if you think James Garces at Cal State Bakersfield is in contact with the local director of blankety blank recruiting service, you're crazy. That's not happening. And if you think that James Garces is only going to get two emails a day and he's going to know who you are when you send that one email and you're sitting there waiting for the response, probably not going to come because the guy probably gets 500 emails a day and not to mention all the responsibility he has for the team. And people don't think about those things. They don't understand the day to day that that goes that a coach goes through and so like what we like to tell kids is number one, and please correct us here if we're wrong here by giving this advice, but we say, if you're going to reach out, you reach out constantly, be a bug, like, you know, cause that again, goes back to doing something on purpose. If you only do it once, then I'm thinking from a, from a job perspective, let's say that, or if I'm a coach, I'm thinking, well, someone told you to do that and there's no follow up, So it doesn't mean anything to you really. You were just told that you should be doing that. So you did it. And cool, you followed the direction. But again, that's like warming up. Well, you did the warm up really well once. And then every other time you come to practice, it's kind of a joke. And so from that, when you get an email, you get a phone call, you get a highlight film. What are you looking for? And what would be if you could create the perfect recruiting system for a kid to that would make your life easy what would that be
1: yeah don't overthink it right sometimes right. i get, uh, and you weren't exaggerating about the amount of emails that we get a day right, right. we get a lot um <laughs> to say the least and but uh there's nothing better than a uh, personal email right so mm. it, i don't want a uh generic email that i know all you did was change my <laughs> last name and put it after coach Right. And you're sending that to hundreds of colleges throughout the country. Right. Saying, I really want to be at your program. Well, do you like, what do you know about my program? Like, tell me about yourself. Right. right. Like introduce yourself, obviously where you're from, the position you play, what class you're graduating in, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the team that you play for. And then show me something that you've done a little bit of research on my program. Right. Am I graduating three players in your position next season? Right are you a business major and you've looked up our business department and you know about the different concentrations that we, we have at Cal State Bakersfield. Um, so something that shows me that you're investing your own time into something that you want. Nice. Um, you know, those, we talk about those recruiting agency um, you know, mass emails that we get a lot and, and they're just too generic for me. Yeah. Um, you know, I really know when someone wants to be a part of something and when someone's just trying to put some feelers out there. Right. Um, and when you, when you look at a video, you know, and, and what my process is for vetting these emails and, you know, I'll be honest, I, I try to get back to every single person. Right. They've done something to, to, they've used their time to reach out to me. I think I honestly deserve, they honestly deserve some feedback from, from myself as well. It might not be right away. Um, but I'll try to flag that email so I can respond to it. Um, you know but but certain things that catch my eye obviously um if i'm recruiting a certain position right if i'm getting an email um and i constantly see this kid's name come up right oh i saw um you know harry right, right. pop up last week and now oh, harry emailed me again this week and then he's gonna email me next week right that's consistency um he's he's pursuing something he's constantly introducing himself but he's saying hey coach just wanted to follow up from our message last week since then I had two games over the weekend thought i performed performed okay here's some um feedback from my coach would love to get in touch with you and maybe uh speak about your program nice
0: yeah that's good advice so when you're when you get a video because you you hear all these different things right that coaches want to see full games and i think yes that's true but at the same time you don't have time to watch 200 full games right so when someone's sending in highlight films, when someone's sending in full games, I mean, what is it? You know, let's say, let's use right back as an example. Um, what would you, if you again, if you could create the perfect scenario of a of somebody sending you something, what is that that you would be like? Yes, that's exactly what I needed to see. Now we can follow up and
1: start a conversation. Yeah, I think uh, from a video perspective, and and you know, coaches are going to have different. Uh, takes on this oh, for me absolutely for me don't make the video more than three four minutes long right it should highlight your best attributes if we're talking about a right back okay can he play out of the back right can he break lines can he find his midfield can he play a channel ball into the running forward um so is he technically uh able to perform the task that i would need for my team right is he is he um receiving a ball from his goalkeeper opening his hips to go forward to play through the lines defensively, right, if he's a right back, he's a defender. Mm-hmm. So I have to see you defend, right. right? Can you defend one-on-one situations? How are you in the air in your aerial battles? Are you winning the ball at its highest point? Um, you know, and and even small things, right? Like, can I see you communicating on the field? I probably can't hear you speaking because there's probably some background music to it, but are you giving direction to your teammate in front of you? Are you communicating with your right midfielder or your mm-hmm. center midfielder? um just with hand motions or or body language more so um but just something that really just showcases your game as a right back or whatever position you're playing so the
0: next question i would have because i i think this plays to almost all of us i mean justin's a pitcher and you're a pitcher so you're a pitcher right? But <laughs> yeah. I played quarterback, <laughs> safety, kick return, all these different things. AJ played multiple positions. Arts played multiple positions, even at the professional level. Arts played different positions. And so you look at it from a standpoint of what if I'm one of those guys, what if I'm a tweener that could play maybe two or three different positions? It depends on your team, your, the way you guys run your sets and all those kind of things. If I'm that kid, that's not a center back. I'm not a right back, but I've played right back, but I'm not necessarily a right back, but I'm a forward, but I can also play center mid because I'm good with my feet, you know, whatever. I don't know. Point to that is every sport has those people that can be a multiple position person. So when it comes down to recruiting and there's not the very specific position, but I can play most things. I just don't know where I would be in your program. I know I want to be there. I know I want to play at the collegiate level. I know what position I would like to play, but that doesn't mean that's where I'm going to play.
1: Because mm-hmm.
0: that happened to me. Mm-hmm. I wanted to play defensive back. I went in as a defensive back, but my skill set, they wanted me to play receiver, and I ended up playing receiver because I had no choice.
4: As a, as a scout, does that make the recruit more appealing when they can play multiple right. positions? Good question. Because as as a recruit myself, when I got recruited, it was I was mostly recruited as an athlete. And me I was—I yeah. always thought I didn't know if that helped me or if it hurt me. I never knew, right, until mm-hmm. I got to school and they are like, all right, now you're going to play corner because mm-hmm. our last corner went to the league. But as a scout, does that help their their stock or anything like Absolutely.
1: that? Absolutely, 100%. Um, someone that's versatile in, in, in multiple positions is obviously appealing to me. Having said that, there's so many times where we'll recruit a kid at center forward. He'll come to us. He'll be in our environment. And now I'm thinking – he's more equipped to play left back, hmm. right? So I think as long as the, the the athlete is willing to be molded into something that they don't even know that they're capable of. Coachability. Coachability. Tremendous. Yeah, it's Tremend- yeah, so a perfect word. word. Well, yeah. I, I, and I think, you know, when
0: you say coachability, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, it, the ability to be flexible and understand that you don't know everything. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And the program that you're going into is going to put you where you fit the program. It's not about you; it's about the program and the level too, right? Like you can be, level, right.
1: you know, dominating in high school or the the youth level, mm-hmm. right? Because of your environment that you're in, right? Maybe yeah. you're not playing in a in a big circuit like Los Angeles or the Bay Area or wherever we're talking for whatever sport, right? And then you come and play. For us, right, Division One, and now we're we're playing against Duke and we're playing against Stanford and UCLA, mm-hmm. right? And we're like, okay, your skill set is better suited here. Trust us. Be coachable, like Art said. Well, I had a guy just as an example, and
0: it's a it, very rare, 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 rare example, but here's a, a guy I went to high school with that was actually a neighbor of mine, uh, and I always looked up. He was three years older than me. I always looked up. His name's Bobby Kelty, baseball player. Ended up going to USC to play baseball and he went and was an outfielder. he liked to hit whatever in the, the USC was saying, well, you're going to be a major league pitcher. You can be a major league pitcher. I want you to be, you can be a major league pitcher. And he's like, I don't want to be a pitcher. I, I want to hit, I want to play in the outfield. And they said, no, you're going to be a pitcher. He said, I don't, I don't want to do that. I want to hit. So he had the confidence to say, well, okay, well I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave USC and from here, he went to Riverside Community College, goes down to Riverside Community College, has a fantastic career there, transfers to Old Miss, does a great job there, goes to Cape Cod, destroys it, and then you know went from, I think it was the Blue Jays first. Sorry, Bobby, if I got that wrong, but uh, Blue Jays first, uh, A's, ends up winning a World Series ring with the Red Sox. You know, And that's a rare story right there, but there's a guy who was an athlete that went in and didn't know he, where he was going to go. They tried to make him one, so it's kind of a little different scenario there, and he said, no, I want to play this. I want to hit because I know I
1: can hit, and left. Well, there's something to be said about having some self-confidence too. Right? Yeah. Did he ever, so, ever pitch facts. again after that? Yeah.
0: No, he never pitched. He just no, kept playing outfield in the majors, won a World Series. Well, there you go. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there it is. Yeah. It, you know, I mean, and that's such a different <laughs> circumstance, but at the same time, he found a home that really worked for him. I mean, he went to from RCC to Old Miss and I mean, they all loved him at that position. It was for whatever reason that one coach at USC was all about him being a pitcher. And now, mm. granted the guy's 62, 63, 210 pounds, just jacked. Jacked. What's what's always helped me in my career
3: lately is is being on the other side coaching being in charge yeah. and being having someone else trust me yeah. so i can give them feedback i can now teach them stuff that i did I'm not going to teach someone something that i didn't do that i wouldn't do myself but on the other side of it it makes me realize coachability is not just yes coach you don't be a yes man create a dialogue create a dialogue create yes. something of of substance with your coach where you know you can question you can be curious you can always be curious you can always try to ask for more without it seeming like a yes sir yes sir cuz you you like that you like the respect but you want someone that cares on an intrinsic level that's yeah. not there just like oh I got to do what coach says like i want you to believe yeah what i don't I'm want saying. you to be a robot yeah, yeah. Yeah. To right. me, they're I'll,
1: trying to learn. Yeah. Right. I want you mm-hmm.
3: to believe me and, and take what I am right. to what I'm helping you to, to make it your own. Don't. Right. Yeah. It's well, that's just how hard. leadership
0: is created inside of a team too, right? When you have the the athlete that's willing to ask a question when you're trying to say something, because again, we all communicate differently. We all say things in different ways and we might all be meaning the exact same thing with the exact same goal. We just say it differently. So You know, in my opinion, if you're respectful about it and we have the same goal in mind, we're trying to win, we're trying to create chemistry, we're trying to do the right thing. It's okay. Ask. I want you to ask. I want you to be engaged with what I'm doing. Because ultimately, if you understand better what's in my head, if I'm the coach and you're the athlete, and you better understand what I'm going through up here and what I'm trying to create, then you are going to be able to communicate that message better to the team than I did. And that's that's okay. I don't care how it gets across. I just need it to get across. And
3: I totally agree with that. And and going forward, your season is, you know, every day with your team, every day with your team are we, I see my damn teammates every day for eight months. Mm -hmm. You learn from them BP talking about, Oh, so-and-so you threw a nasty curve. How'd you throw that? And it's, you might not learn from a coach, but man, those conversations, even the best of having that conversation of, I know I'm comfortable saying, I don't know what exactly I'm doing or how I can get better, but I'm reaching out because I care, and that's right. Right. all I ask of a kid. Just, just, if don't waste my, I don't want to say you waste my time, but I want you to care as right. much as I'm caring. Absolutely. If I'm caring for your career, right, you need to care just as much, if not way more. Right, I, I feel no, like absolutely. way more, way
2: more. Yeah, I feel like that's one of the most important things too. Is as a teammate and as someone on a team, you're asking your teammates questions too, because I've learned a lot from pitchers. I'm a hitter, you know. Pitchers don't hit. They think they can, but, you know, Mm -hmm. but they have a different (laughs) 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 name. That was a shot. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. (laughs) But they, they can teach you different perspectives, right? So as a hitter, I can tell the pitcher, hey, look, like, Justin's pitching to me. I faced Justin in the playoffs this year. We had battles, you know, good ABs. You know, he made great pitches on me. So I'm able to tell him what I'm seeing from my point of view, you know, um, and I'm sure that can relate to other other sports as well. You know, um, soccer. We can do a track and, and football too. Just having that dialogue, like you said, that open dialogue, because you're not just learning only from your coaches. You know, because you are coachable to them too. But you have to be willing to be coachable to your teammates too, and ask those uncomfortable questions. Like, man, I feel like I'm doing this. Like, what do you see, or, or you know, mm-hmm. like what what from your perspective, what am I doing? You know, and some and sometimes like you know, like you have to be the sponge like they talk about the sponge you suck yeah. in what you can use and then you ring out the rest right uh, but something can click for you and I, that was something that changed for me when i got out of my own little shell and i started asking other players like hey you know i see i see other people having conversations so i'm like what would you ask him you know i just asked like what would you ask him what would you talk to him about and then they would tell me and i'm like oh okay interesting so now I'm like, OK, well, I'm going to start doing that, you know, and I started incorporating questions and mm-hmm. and and creating that dialogue with my teammates or people that are higher levels. That was the biggest thing for me. The way the, the quickest way to get somewhere where you want to be is to ask the people who are already there. Mm. Absolutely. You know, big mm-hmm. league players, yeah. um, guys who have been there, guys who are coaches now, but had 10 years in the big leagues or even three, you mm-hmm. know, one, they got there. How do they get there? They have the skills. They had the attributes. They got there somehow, some way with the work that they put in. So how can I get there? Let me ask them. Let me pick their brain so that I can get that information and make my route hopefully easier to get there
0: i think every successful person in whatever venture we're talking about is emulating something that they've seen from another perspective right Mm -hmm. and the most successful people are the ones that are the ones asking questions learning 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 regardless of how successful they are they're constantly learning they're constantly picking people's brains they're having conversations and they're trying to create a new way of doing things because again, we all think a little bit differently. so how am I going to process this information? And it's the same thing as like you know our morning workouts is us working out as a staff and as a group it's it's doing the workouts and then talking through it and creating the dialogue and doing all those things and then something else comes up and mm-hmm. then we're talking philosophically about this that, and the other. and that's an opportunity for growth too. So, you know, from a mental standpoint, from a physical standpoint, that's really what it's all about. And, you know, creating a culture and a successful winning culture is exactly what we're all alluding to here. That in order to create that culture, there has to be a mindset of learning and wanting to learn and wanting to better yourself constantly. And I know that's got to be, again, top on your list when you're looking to recruit somebody that, You've kind of already touched on it, but, you know, is there a person out there that I can grab and gravitate to that that wants to know more? That that maybe in the recruiting process, a sincere way, because now we're going to tell kids, hey, you should be asking questions. And you're, now you're just going to get a whole bunch of <laughs> ridiculous That's questions. Right. I'm going to email so you. Thanks, all guys. Thanks for <laughs> <laughs> What, what color, what color boots are the ones that you guys wear? I'm just asking a question. I want to get to know the team, you know, (laughs) something silly like that. You're going to get some superficial question now, but you know, that, I think that's really what it comes down to is creating that culture of, of educating each other, learning from not just the coaches, but from staff, from You know, your players, like you're saying, like, you know, if if I'm a football player and I'm a quarterback, then I need to be constantly talking to the defensive guys about, okay, how do you know, AJ, if I'm a quarterback, how do you know when I am going to look off the dig and throw the post? You know, the little things like that, because that's going to help me not do it. You know, what are those? Ask the quarterback.
4: (laughs) I would ask him why he looked away or what he's looking at. Because most of the time when, and those are the keys that like, you know, as a defensive back, those are the things that we're paying attention to. So if Logan was here and I've been on a team with Logan and he's done things or saw things that I've done that have completely changed what he was going to do or completely changed the play. So in my mind, it's the same thing. You got to ask those questions because if you do something, that's different from what I've seen before Mm -hmm. or something that beats me or something that I'm having trouble with. Of course, I'm going to be like, what'd you see? Right. Right. Because before that I've been good, you know, haven't been getting beat all of a sudden something changed. What happened? What'd you see? What did I do wrong? How do, how were you able to beat me or whatever it is and all these questions I've asked, wide receivers whatever it is quarterbacks if i've given gotten beat on a ball like you know what did you see why did you throw a back shoulder yeah. why how are you getting me off the line did i tilt my hips how did you know who i was going to jump the rock? you know all these different things and when you figure those things out then you can slow yourself down and right. the game starts to slow down and you start to realize like okay the, these people are picking up on cues that i'm giving them right, right? so let's mm-hmm. eliminate those cues and there's no cues then you start to play a little bit faster, right? Right. And
0: cues are huge. But James and I were were talking about this about how people gravitate towards these rivalries mm. that are superficial, that don't make a whole lot of sense. And it happens in a in a team setting as well, because everybody's fighting for playing time. And when you're looking at it from that perspective, from a solo perspective, of when am I going to be on the field or the court or the track or whatever? When am I going to be the anchor on the relay? You know, whatever that might be you start getting these, these rivalries inside the team, which creates a almost counterculture of success. And I think ultimately, you know, one of the best things that we can communicate to, to people, to kids, to coaches and everybody is in order to create success and in order to create a, a culture of success there has to be that learning aspect where it's it's okay to share secrets you're on the same team mm-hmm. if i am on a team and you know i'm sharing time with somebody the best thing that you can do is talk to that person. What are they doing so well that keeps them on the field? But then what are you doing well that pulls them off the field to get you on the field? And then have the conversation with the opposing position to say, okay, so what is allowing me to get by you? And what are you doing to stop me? And, you know, because again, ultimately, what it comes down to is, we all in this room, in this locker room, or whatever you want to call it, at some point are gonna go face somebody else. And that's what actually matters. And if you're better than me, then you need to be on the field and you need to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. And maybe you need to be at a different position because maybe you can give the team something from a different perspective at a different position and you need to be okay with that. And you know, I, it's just one of those things that doesn't really get talked about a whole lot of the interconnection in a team and learning from each other, even if you are a quote-unquote rival of that person on your team because you're fighting for time, at some point, we're all happy when we're winning,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? And at some point, people need to understand injuries might happen. Uh, getting winded is going to happen at some point with somebody. And you, you got to be ready when your number is going to be called. So if that's going to be the case, you might as be as well-prepared as humanly possible. And that's creating the dialogue of learning from your peers on your team because ultimately that's what's going to create the trust.
1: Yeah, and I think that starts with your leadership at the top. Um, For us, whether that's a a team environment as coaches or you're a business owner and you have staff underneath you, Mm -hmm. are we all, all, we're all in this boat together, so to speak, right? Are we all going the same direction? Right, Because if you have people working against you, right, for us, we would call them culture killers, right, then there's your problem, right? So if two people are competing for a position and one of them is, now I want healthy competition, right, at multiple positions um, on the field. That's raising the group up together. Mm -hmm. Now, when one person takes that at a point where it's like, you know, I'm going to get nasty about it and make sure that this player does not play because of X, Y, and Z, and that's going to be my doing, then that's a culture killer to me. Now, if what we talked about, what, what you mentioned, what Art mentioned, the the power of peer to peer communication and picking each other's brains about what happened, why were you successful in this moment? Um, I was trying AJ as you were, as you were talking about, um, you know, as a defensive back, you know, just asking a quarterback a question, right? Like what cues did you pick up on? Why did you make this route instead of, or this throw, excuse me, instead of this throw because of my movement. You know, I was trying to think about it in soccer, right? For me, soccer is a little bit different in that it's so fluid of a game, right? right. Like there's no set place other than, you know, corner kicks or, or set pieces from a foul. But in the moment of a game, in, in two 45-minute halves, the ball is just moving, right? right. So right. now you might have some patterns of play that you're always trying to get um, to be drawn up during during the course of a match. But when you're picking each other's brains on the training ground, it could be right, like a right winger attacking attacking a left back, right, and he's just dribbling right at me, and he's beating me every time, right. So what is he doing now? Can I pick his brain, saying, "What are you looking for? Am I too slow to close you down? So that's why you're just taking a heavy touch and blowing right by me, or am I on my heels and I'm on my back foot and you notice that? So you're just like, he's done. Mm-hmm. I can take him on right away. Um, and that is where that's that's healthy conversation, absolutely, to me that's where the team is rising up together. That's growth. That's right. growth right there. And right. I talk
0: yeah. about it to kids all the time that it's not – it. what you got to understand is not just the heat of the battle. If they're playing against a good coached team, then those things that are causing you to get blown by or miss an assignment or whatever, that's being picked up by the opposing coach. Yeah. And if you aren't having those conversations in practice with each other to make each other better, you're going to get exposed in the game because there's going to be tendencies. And I can speak from personal experience in college, we had to take tests before every single game. And I could tell you if I was in trips on the middle part of the trips, I knew who was going to be manned up on me or what kind of zone they were going to play. I knew what the number of the guy that was going to play on me, if he was right-handed, or if he was left-handed, if he was better at press, or he was better at zone. If the play changed and we went to split on either side and I rotated to the other side, I knew who was going to bump to go with me or what coverage they would bump into if we were in. A, I mean, it, it was that methodical detail, and we we got tested on it. And so ultimately I'm being handed these cues and these tendencies that are going to happen. And if I know them, I can expose you, right? Because at that level, everybody's an all-star. So everybody has the ability to make those adjustments and do it. Now, if I went through this whole week of preparation based on tendencies and my coaches found, and I've never played against you, so I don't know. I'm just going off what my coach and what we saw in film and so on and so forth. But if you went and had a conversation with your teammate of why when there's an inside route, you always give up the inside route and you tend to play the outside route and you found that out at practice and you play a more neutral stance in the game i'm in trouble Mm -hmm. because all i know is that you give up the inside inside. so now i try to go inside and you take a step and i'm like oh i'm not open now what am i gonna do Mm -hmm. right and i try to change my route mid pattern i'm I'm in trouble.
4: And the quarterback doesn't know where you're going. And Bam. He throws an interception. It
2: throws everything off, right? Mm-hmm. It's that Mike Tyson, that quote, what do you say? You always have a plan until you go in there and get hit.
4: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Absolutely.
0: But that's where these dialogues come from, right? That if if you're creating that that culture inside the team that you're constantly helping each other out and you're ridding yourself of tendency, now we're moving towards success because we're eliminating weak spots because we care about that culture of winning and success. This just reminds
3: me of some of the good teams I've been on and some yeah, of the bad teams right. I've been on <laughs> right. some of the bad years you've had. And 2016, uh, UC Santa Barbara, we had a chance to go to the college world series and it was a real special year um, led by Shane Bieber, who's now just, you know, killing it in MLB, but we had a lot of core guys that were no ego. They came into work and, in the fall and in the spring leading up to it, we got dissected by our teammates on everything, and made the game just seem easy. It made the games going into West Coast, to Big West conference play, and going into the playoffs, made things easy because I was getting tipped pitches. Oh, glove flare on your uh, fastball, we're gonna pick mm-hmm. that up. Oh, now two seconds on your changeup. Oh, you're not really holding the runners. Like, hey, good job, you got three up, three down. But, no, nah, man, we got to work on this, 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 this. Okay, I, I you gotta take that in because. Like you talk about the culture killers, energy vampires was, yep. was our way to say it. You know the energy guy that's mm-hmm. just like killing and sucking out the vibe. Coaches know that. Everyone knows that. Yeah. And that's something you have to rid of or at least handle at the source. Understand? And a
1: strong culture, that locker room takes care of itself Yeah. before right. it even gets to the yeah. coaching staff. Right. And yeah. that's when you know you got something special going on.
3: And the talent is... Not as good every year. Every year you can say we had more talent last year, but that year we were way less talented in the 2015 year, but 2015 year we were knocked out in the first round of the playoffs. 2016, we have a lot of guys who have a chip on their shoulder, ready to go, ready to be compelled to do anything. And and yeah, that matters. That does matter.
0: And I think you know one of the misconceptions that happens too with successful teams is people think that everybody's best friends. And that's just not true. I mean, think about it from a logical standpoint. I mean, how many people do you actually hang out with outside of your activities you know how many people are there that you actually hang out with I guarantee you it's not 50 Mm -hmm. it's not 20 right Right. so yeah are you going to go out once in a while with your teammates and have a good time yes but is that a constant thing no are you all texting each other on a group text of 50 people constantly no you're not but that's not group texts Right, right. I'm in like five group text
4: messages right now.
0: Right. So that's what I'm saying is like, it's, it's not, it's not always that. And I think there's a misconception there. I think what people need to understand, or I guess I should say, I know what people really need to truly understand is once you're there and the business is on the table, that's when you have everybody's best interest in mind. But that doesn't mean you have to go home and hang out with everybody. That's not really what it's about. It's, it's about what's happening when the lights are on and everybody's there together. What are you doing collectively to make it happen? And then are you being a good teammate by going home and doing the right thing and not getting in trouble and then eliminating yourself from that team because you did something stupid? Or you didn't stop one of your teammates from doing something stupid. I mean, those are the things that really play into it. But again, it doesn't mean that everybody has to be best friends. Yeah. Agree? And that's just a culture thing, right? Of being able to take care of business when it matters and caring about the team and having that open line of communication inside that locker room. All
3: right, how many teams have you been on oh, since gosh. your pro career? How, pro- many, how, many, like, how many different teams? How many jerseys have you worn? Oh, Wow. Can you do that off the top of your head?
2: Well, pretty much every year was a different jersey, you know? So Thousands of guys you met. Exactly, but then you factor in winter ball too. So, I mean, 15, 16 pro teams.
3: For some reason, this might just be the most random thing ever, but the teams I'm closest with are the teams that won. The ones that created the environment to make it free. And every time I've really enjoyed playing the game last year, Sorry, Art, but when we won last year, <laughs> it was that team, man, that, that was so cohesive and it, it was reminiscent of some of the college stuff.
0: Where yeah, absolutely.
3: At the group text I'm still in are, are most of the teams that – Um, succeeded and we had a Mm -hmm. good time around each other. And I think there's a lot of merit in that. You don't have to love each other, but damn, you better respect me. If I'm going to respect you and we're going to be on the same field, whatever it is, I better know what you're doing. I better know what's going on.
0: But I think that's universal, whether that's a sport or an individual sport. I mean, there's a collective group of people and this could be golf. This could be track. This could be cycling. This could be marathon running. I mean, nobody's alone, right? And there's a, there's a cohesive group of people that are creating these circumstances and these cultures and no doubt about it. And I'm the same way that I, I still talk to or am friends with not everybody, but those friends that I do have are from the successful times because we had a Mm like-minded goal. We had, we had a connection that created a friendship because we had the same values and the same goals and the same, productivity that we were trying to create and that's what made us friends and we weren't friends before
2: that It happened because of that i was gonna go uh, ahead i was gonna touch on that same thing that you just said it's kind of when you have guys that are are you know i've been on some losing teams i've been on a team i think we were the most losingest team in all of baseball at the time like and it wasn't fun you know um it was definitely not yeah it was the most brutal (laughs) brutal season and i was in the florida state league so it was super super hot we were just going out there getting ran you know so it wasn't fun but it was something that that from that year we told it we like we told each other like hey look this isn't gonna happen again you know and the next year we went out there and we we competed for playoffs you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. so we made a change but I will remember that year because of obviously the the things that were down in that year. But it also forces you to, to I guess you could say, you know, in a way, become a man, become a better teammate too, because you guys are all there losing together. No one wants to lose. You know what I mean? Everybody's pulling together to try to come together to find some kind of solution, you know? But I want to touch on what you said, Ryan, was was that it's it's just about like you remember those teams that you grind with. You know, mm-hmm. you remember those teams that you went out there to war with. You remember those teams that you win with. You remember those teams that you lost with. Like, unfortunately, we lost you guys game seven to the playoffs of the championship last year. But I'm forever going to remember that team because of how scrappy that whole series was. You know what I mean? We, we should have won in six. But, we good <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like I feel like in that series, we, we came in as the underdogs. You know, we had a great team. we won the year before but you guys had so much talent on that team and it took something out of us to dig deeper to overlook because I mean how many big leaguers you guys have on that team you know Uh, to overlook you know to overlook that fact and go out there and say you know what we're still better than this team you know we can still do this and we did we we had it in our hands but we just fumbled it you know what I mean but those are the kind of teams that you're going to remember, those scrappy teams, those years that, you know, you you went out there, you went to war with, you know, a bunch of misfits come together and you just go out there and grind, you know? And that's something that I also think, too, that you're super right on is that, you know, when you come together, it's not just always winning, you know, like you remember those, of course. I remember 2012 tw- team when I first won my first championship period professionally, but you remember also those teams where you're like, let's go boys. You know, we're all beat up. We're all beat up here. Like strap it on. Let's go get the grenades ready. You know what I mean? Whatever. So I I wanted to make that point too. You know,
0: I think that's important, you know, especially from, you know, James perspective of trying to create a team. Cause again, we're talking about us being in the mix and, and I can go back, gosh, James, how many years has it been now? Five years. When, you know, your group of guys was coming in and I mean, how much fun did we have yeah. just training, getting ready for the season? And we had, there were times there were seven guys in there working out together and, as a team. And th- like you just said, you were going to go down and see Dante the other day, you know, to bring that, that, up. that was one of those guys. Yeah. And we you grinded and grinded and grinded and grinded. And, you know, those are the guys that you still talk to and that you're friends with, because again, there was this like minded awareness of what you were trying to do. And that gave you that bond. And that's such a big deal. So we don't ever hear it from a coaching perspective of what goes on and, and touching on all the things you have to do from the back end from compliance and making sure that grades are taken care of class checks, uh, test scores. I mean, I could go on and on and on. I'm sure you could talk about this for hours, but that's part of the culture too. And that's one thing that doesn't get talked about is what the, the responsibility that's put on the coach. Cause I don't think us as athletes really talk about it or understand it enough. We just look at it from, I want to get recruited. I want to go to college. I want to be a pro but we're not thinking of it from an organizational standpoint. And I think that's a that's a process that people need to understand that when you're trying to create this culture that we're all talking about, well, you're going to handpick very specific people that can handle all of these things because ultimately your job that you want to do is coach. It's what you want to do. You want to coach and you want to win games. But at that level that you're at, coaching almost becomes a small percentage of it because the rest of your day is dealing with eligibility Mm -hmm. and compliance Mm -hmm. and all these other things.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. I have so much to say, Um, (laughs) but uh, you touched on so many great, great topics and subtopics, but college athletics is so unique and I love the environment that I'm in every single day. Um, it's extremely challenging. It pushes me to my limits. Um, It makes you grow as a person. I mean, I feel like a professional problem solver every single day um, because you just wear so many hats. Right. Um, But you're all doing it. Every single problem that you're solving is for, you know, 25, 26 guys, right? Um, Because you want not yourself to be successful, but you want them to be successful. Right. So for me, it is instilling just from my work ethic that I'm portraying the example of what i want them to be like as a teammate as part of the csu bakersfield men's soccer program um and and you know if, if we circle this all back around to to the recruiting process right um you know i can do you know as coaches we we try to vet these potential student athletes as much as we can right we can have all the conversations with them their parents their guidance counselor their teachers at school their coaches right their high school coaches um you know, and so you you get to know them as much as you possibly can, but things change when they get to you, right? Because right. now they're not starting. Now they didn't even feature in a match, right? So who are they really? Right. Okay? So if you can set that example for them of of what real work is like, um, just in your own actions, maybe it doesn't even necessarily have to be verbal, um, but just are they seeing a good example from uh, the senior players on the team? right? The junior players on the team, those who have experience, right? This is what our culture, this is what our team, this is what our program is about, right? We're Bakersfield. Okay. We have a blue collar mentality, right? That's what this town and this city is built on, right? People that work for everything that they have. That's the type of program that we want to be and we want to adopt. So are these kids putting in extra work, you know, the, the lonely work I heard you guys talk about on the other, on the other Mm -hmm. podcast, right? That's love that phrase. Um, you know, so I lost my train of thought, dude, you had no. too much good stuff to talk about. Someone, <laughs> someone help me out.
0: No, I mean, it's, I think, you know, to to go into it, you know, it's like, I've always wondered, you know, from wh- everything that you do and the, it, I guess it's different for me cause I've, I've been able to watch you become this coach and and watch you grow into it. And the responsibility that you take on personally is is different and you're the kind of coach that people want to play for. I hope so. I wonder have you ever really sat down and explained to the players everything you do? Do they know? No. Because I would as a player myself because I because I have this uh and I think we all actually in this room, I know we all have it in this room. We have this weird switch that we're just going to work. No one has to tell us to do it. We're just gonna do it. It's just who we are as people. And I think as a player, I would have loved to know how much work my coaches were doing on the back end, outside of just breaking down film, breaking down the scouting report, you know, outside of the sport itself, I would have loved to know what you do on a daily basis. Because I think it's important as hard as you work. I think it's important that you're you're your guys know yeah it's just my opinion
1: I would find it very difficult to tell someone that I know though. you would but <laughs> I think uh knowing you I know that I love um servant leadership Yep. right yep. and doing something because this is the opportunity that that I've been blessed with right it's something that I take tremendously seriously and if someone wants to know more about what I do I would be happy to have that conversation with them you know probably in a private setting um you know, but it would never be out of, uh, you know, boastfulness or.
0: Yeah. I don't think I mean it that way. Right. I think I mean it in a, in a conversation when you guys are talking about the lonely work, you know, when, when times are tough and people are grinding and, and they lose their motivation, I think it would be really cool as a player to know that how much my coach actually cares about not just the sport, but the well being of what we're doing and saying, look, guys, look, yeah, you get up at 6 a.m. and you go to work out. And well, I know I'm saying the, the player. So the player gets that up. That's and- what I'll
1: share with them. I just motioned 4 a.m. Right. Yeah, yeah. That that is something that I would I like to share with with my players if, yeah. if we're talking about work. That's what I'm saying. Right? That's what I'm because saying. Because yeah. that's the type of lead by example. Yeah. Right? It's like, well, why why do you wake up at 4 a.m. Well, well that's the only it. time I have absolutely right right because the rest of my day is, is well yeah, with once you guys. it gets going yeah so yeah. i you know and 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 i like talking about um you know schedule and, and routine routine is a tough word for me because it could it could benefit a lot of people but it could be the the dying end of people too you know because mm-hmm. they get too comfortable in in their day-to-day life for me i have a routine because it sets the tone for what i need to accomplish for how i'm going to start my day right waking mm-hmm. up early and having just some some me time whether that's reading or some journaling and then all right i gotta attack the day that's probably a workout with you mm-hmm. and then from there i'm in the office early to prep for whatever the day has in store for me um so that kind of stuff i'm okay with showing uh sharing with my players because i think it's like what they I mean, need to see you, it. you think your day is hard you right think your day's long and <laughs> that's it is what I'm it seeing. is yeah. you know we're, right not, not it at all but
4: as a as a as a player uh, and I just wanted to touch on this. Like, um, I used, to, I had a coach that would always express to me like the amount of work that he was doing and like wanting us to, you know, do the, the same amount of work that he was doing. Right. And there were times where I was in college that I wouldn't be receptive to that. But as I became a pro, I was a lot more receptive to it because I, I could actually see the work working for in my favor. Right. So the coach would, always tell me about how much film they're watching that at da. You know, me in college as an ego. Okay. Well, I'm looking at the same thing. I could have deduced that myself. Right. And then when I get to a pro professional level, well, it's like, now the, the my DB coach is telling me, you know, <clears throat> when there's trips to the left, there's, it's going to be a backside slant. All you got to do is jump in and pick it off. Right. And I'm like, I don't know if I Deal. believe you. Right. <laughs> I don't know if I, I don't know if I believe you, how much studying have you actually been doing? And then he'll show it to me on film, 50 times over and then it happens in the game and I do it and I'm like "I oh, thank God my coach is working so hard yeah. right Yeah, working so hard for me for the team for everybody because he wants to see me successful and if I run the interception back for a touchdown the head coach the is gonna look at him like how'd you get him to do that that's mm-hmm. awesome. right mm-hmm. and I just wanted to you know say that because I, I as a player man I definitely have learned to appreciate like the amount of effort that my coach is putting in
1: yeah no that's sweet and that is uh, I love that Boy, too yeah, like yeah. um mm-hmm you know, when, when that type of work from a coach pays itself off, um, for the athlete's success, it's all that more gratifying to me. Mm -hmm. Right. If that's because I might've had the opposition scout that weekend and, you know, I picked up on some tendencies or or some cues or or what their set pieces were going to be like, or how we could expose them. And then we did expose them. Yeah. It's like, that's, that's gold for me. And that's why
0: yeah, and I've always, as a coach, like to you know reiterate to the athlete that look, I've I've done it, I've I've done what you're doing, and I've been there. Now I'm not saying that you I worked harder than you or anything else like that, but I can tell you from personal experience, it gets harder, and the habits that you create as an athlete when things are f- from a life standpoint easier than they will be when you're older and you don't have athletics and you don't have the team and you don't have the coaches and you don't have all that stuff. And you're, you know, you're in competition mode daily to create something for you, your family and everything else. You know, I think it's important to communicate to that athlete that everything you're doing right now, I've done. Mm -hmm. I've been there. I understand I'm with you and I'm working hard to keep you there, but I also need you to understand that it's going to get harder and I am doing that much more for you on the back end so that I can give you the best information possible on the life skill standpoint mm-hmm. that I learned, right? And I think that's why we all, are, we all do what we do. You know, it's all about paying it forward. Right. And, you know, had it not been for soccer, you wouldn't be where you're at. You wouldn't have a master's degree. You wouldn't have all that stuff. If it wasn't for football and track, I wouldn't, wasn't for baseball and football over here. You guys wouldn't have what you have. And it's an opportunity to communicate to that athlete. Because again, it's like we were talking about in our, one of our last podcasts, if you could go back in time and talk to that rookie, or if you can go back in time and talk to that freshman, what would you tell that guy that you And what would you want him to understand? And I think about that a lot when it comes to how am I going to communicate to these athletes that are coming in and trusting me to help them with their performance. But what you're doing is such a deeper level because I just help them get faster and stronger and make them feel better and less injured. You got their whole career on your shoulders and, you know, having that communication with them is, is a big thing. And if they know how hard you're working and how much you care, there's a culture thing there. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to ask
3: you uh, kind of a question, but I'll preface it by saying, um, I think a big point of divergence I learned in baseball in, in five years, college baseball. is what happens to a kid. The moment he's told he's redshirted mm. the moment mm. he's told he's not going to play that year. I redshirted, Right. Yeah. <laughs> guy, I got you. And, um, some kids, and it was the best thing that happened to me. Yeah, yeah. Some kids crumble, some kids make the most of it. So understanding how you as a coach now deal with the kid. Now you might not have him on your team to win this year, but you know the kid's character through his redshirt. You know what he's doing, how much that plays a part going forward.
1: Yeah, you have, uh, again, like we talked about the COVID situation that these af- athletes have right now, right? You can make the most of that that year, right? Knowing that you're not playing, but you're training like an absolute –
4: dog Mm -hmm. you know you're doing Mm -hmm.
1: all the work you're doing all the sprints you're doing everything that your teammate is doing who's going to be playing on saturday right except you're not right so you can have that attitude of feel sorry for james and um you know the world's against me coach doesn't like me blah 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 or you can attack it with everything that you have to know that the next four years i'm going to be in the starting 11
3: and i've seen it both ways that's why i was from
1: your Uh, perspective the same every year right every year yeah, same, same. I, I couldn't agree more.
0: And I think that's part of it, right? Is that at some point you're going to have a boss. You're going to be in a relationship. You're going to have coworkers that, you, you know, all of those sayings are going to happen in your life. And in, a, in many, 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 many cases, you can't just quit your job because you don't like your boss. That's not going to be an option because right. you need income. And if you quit, where are you going? So before you quit, you have to put yourself out there, find another team, find another job, find another boss before you can quit this one. And people don't understand that because in athletics, a lot of times we can just go, I don't want to play here because I'm not playing and I don't like, it's the coach's fault. They never intrinsically look at what's going on. We all talk. Right, (laughs) there you go. And the same thing's going to happen in the business world, Mm -hmm. right? And so my point to all of that is, there has to be a grind to it. And you've got to understand a bigger picture. And ultimately sports is going to end at some point for all of us. Sports ends at some point. And what do you have left? What have you learned? What lessons have you taught yourself and how much have you paid attention to the things that you have gone through to help you at the next level? Because again, from personal experience, two of us have kids in here and it changes a lot
4: changes your whole life <laughs> a
0: lot you know and and when you start thinking about from an athletic standpoint to a coaching standpoint to now being responsible for not just children but your partner in crime with that i mean there there's that is so much deeper and so much more stressful when you care
1: yeah and i think i mean listen in in the college um platform i want to develop help develop it's not me developing them and it's not me for their success but help develop professionals right. right right but more than anything my responsibility is to develop these young men to be successful in whatever walk of life they do after sports because to your point sports is going to end right at so at some the, point yep goodness 10 years that i've been at bakersfield um csub anyways um you know we've had a handful go on and play pro, right? Right. So you're talking, you know, 98%, 99% of all the other student athletes like myself go into something other than professional yeah, sports. Yeah, remember that
0: sport, that commercial that was out a few years ago? It was that commercial that I, you know, blah, blah, blah. I played this sport and I am now in, I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, I'm a whatever, whatever, whatever. And I did not become a pro
1: right. in And So sports. am I t- are we teaching them, right? Exactly. Life skills and responsibility right. and lonely work and, and mm-hmm. hard work and determination, all that stuff, all those buzzwords that right. they're going to take with them post college soccer. Right. And it's bigger than the sport for sure. But I want to win.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> but, right. But that's what I'm saying. That's where I was just about to go. But that's exactly where I was going to go with it is yes, it is. It's bigger than the sport, but I want to win right now. But if Love we it. all have the understanding that we're training for something bigger, Mm-hmm. And it's about more than just showing up and wearing the jersey. It's actually about creating a culture inside, like we were talking about a brand. Mm-hmm. We've talked about it on the podcast. Create your own personal brand. Create your own team brand, because ultimately, if I have a brand and my team has a brand, it sure makes it a heck of a lot easier to recruit, mm-hmm. because there's a culture that yeah. people want. And the brand be a speaks part. for itself. Absolutely, yeah. no doubt. Nonverbal. Absolutely, hundred percent. Shoot, we're already. Look at that. Well, anybody have any closing remarks there? I think we've we've hit a pretty good number of subjects there.
4: No, I mean, I, I just wanted to touch on how you said, um, like, you're not there to be friends, right? When you're in a team environment, you're just there to work, and you don't have to be friends with everybody. Because it touched me for for, for me in particular, because when I was in college, um, like, my best friend wasn't a DB, even though like we're all together all the time. I spent a lot of my time with the defensive backs. I gravitated towards the running backs the most because they were the hardest working group and I was a kick returner at the time. So anytime they were doing any kind of footwork running through like, you know, the big battle things, I would always jump over there and work with them. We're doing abs in the, in the, you know, weight room working out. And I just feel like, like those people that were always working hard, like, didn't matter what position we played, those were always the people that were working. Those are the people that I'm still in that, like, I still communicate with. And it just, it, like, like I said, like, I kind of gravitate towards people that are like, like minded, kind of like while we're all in this room, mm-hmm. while I'm still like cool with Ryan and all mm-hmm. this stuff. And it's just like, it goes to show, like, those are the people that end up being successful in whatever it is they're doing basketball, football, you know, administration, whatever it is, because. It's just work, no matter what it is, what if it's a sport, if it's a job, whatever it is, it's the same mindset going into everything.
0: I was the same way in college. I was a wide receiver and kick returner. And I used to work out with the linebackers on purpose because they were so much stronger than me, but they also were fast and they were agile and they worked their, you know, what's off. And I loved working out with them. And in track, I loved working out with the throwers because they were so hard working and they were always in the weight room or doing something else other than throwing. And I love that about them. And you know, it, it speaks to that exactly thing, you know, that exact thing that it really comes down to who are you, what's your personal brand, what are you trying to accomplish and finding people that think the exact same way. And when those people start coming together, it becomes this entire
4: culture Shaped around it. Can you imagine how to t- having a team with, like, everybody mm. that thinks like that? Mm-hmm. You would, you they win, win Super at? Bowls yeah, yeah, exactly. and World
0: Cups mm-hmm. and World Series and on and on and on and on and on. And they become million-dollar companies and blah, 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 <laughs> like blah. Like LeBron blah.
2: said, not one, not two. <laughs> right, <laughs> not three, right, right. Not four, not five. <laughs> <laughs> right. Just constant winning. Yeah. I think just the whole –
3: conversations made me think just, you know, good energy, good competitions is great for a team. And, and constructive criticism is is great. And in being able to build, you're not being thick skinned is important, but my goal is never to bring you down by my comments. My goal is to make you realize it so we can go from there. And I think, yeah, learning to be constructive with your teammates and your coaches and people around you is is
1: huge. agree, man. Sweet. And I think
0: for me, it's made me a better dad, better husband for sure. Anyway, not to get too deep into that one, but <laughs> fellas, uh want to say thank you again for coming in. James, thank you so much for being thank a part you. of this. No, I appreciate it. This in. was a blast. Yeah, we'll have to have you back. I learned for today. Sure. We all learned, yeah. I think. I'm glad we
1: got
3: a
4: fellow uh, Mustang in the house, right, too. Yeah. 2010.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
4: fellas, once again. Thank you. Thank you. Great job. Thank you. It's been thank real.